Turf in Seattle, Washington, North America's largest Linux convention, you can't help but notice a trend. Containers are a big deal. A trend that's changing the way the world thinks about Linux. Docker is an exciting buzzword and a lot of products are being built around it. This particular conference, we've also, an awful lot of the focus on things that we're talking about is containers, virtualization, uh, the, the application stacks that are running on top of the kernel. Uh, why is the kernel still so important? Uh, we run all the applications inside a Docker container, which is cool. What we provide is a management uh, control plane in which you can orchestrate your containers very easily. We are big supporters of Docker internally. We use it for our own uh, internal infrastructure. Bamboo now has a, a first-class Docker support as, as a, a target for continuous integration and deployment. Containers, we think pretty strong, feel pretty strongly that containers are the right way to think about deploying software, um, and we want them to be ubiquitous. My first LinuxCon experience, it was pretty cool that it was here in Seattle, Washington. No, I know it's not your first LinuxCon by far. No, it's not, but it, it, it was by hands down, at least from a, a venue standpoint, my favorite. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, we're going to get into the whole story of uh, LinuxCon, but we should probably start with Seattle itself, which is really, truly part of the experience of going to LinuxCon this year. And uh, I wanted to take Noah to Pike Place Market, right. somewhere you'd never been. We wanted to go out and get a little air from the conference. And on our way down to Pike Place Market, I think you got a little good taste of uh, Seattle. Noah and Chris, come on. We've got yellow and green. Oh, you're blowing it, Noah. Exactly. I know. Yeah, give it a try, man. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing, Chris? It's amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Delicious yellow peach right here. Just had some. It was amazing. So when you walk around as an attendee, you have your name badge on. Right. Well, so well, let's back up. Let's start with the street performer. So one thing I really like about bigger cities, <clears throat> Seattle had this too, was is that you have street performers. Oh, yeah. So in a small city like Grand Forks, yeah. the best that you get is people just hold up a sign and say, give me money. Oh, so, <laughs> no. so here. So, so they here, have to step up their game. Here, I know. More competition. I know. And, and so, and so, and then not only do you have competition, like yeah. the, the street performers that I have seen in some cities, like yeah. they're not very talented. Right. But these people, they're good, you know, there was a, it was an electric bass <clears throat> and an electric uh, a violin. Yeah. I got to say, like, uh, I grabbed some of the music uh, and I thought it was like, it was actually like legitimately like amazing music that I wanted to share with people when we got back. Uh, I had uh, one that uh, I, I could play for you here on the show. And this is while we're just walking by with my microphone. This is playing on the street. Walking around, Noah leans over to me and says, "Like, man, do you do you smell that? Uh, I think we, I think I smell fish." We are in the search for fish. Come on, Noah. If you're smelling fish, it's not good fish. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be able to smell it. And see, that's one of the things that Pike Place Market is known for is fresh seafood. And so they throw like, around, by the way. Well, yes, that's true too. But I'm just they thinking almost a, they almost clocked a lady in her head. Yeah, that like, some, like she's like ducks in it. Some fish, fish goes some, flying. Some fish splatter like landed yeah, in her face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and the fish they had they had cut the fish open. Yeah. So like it's like it had like wings, and the fish was like opening up and like like right over this lady's head, and then the guy like crashes it out of the yeah. air. And it is crowded too. Like we're pushing. 
elbow to elbow to people. And I, I'm like, boy, if he's smelling fish, this is not a good thing. And no. I, I wanted your experience to the Seattle area to be good. Yeah. So we walked around. It was really crowded. We got some fish and chips. And I was like, all right, well, this isn't quite going the way I want. Let's go back up to the conference and uh, let's do some interviews. So we walked back up to the Sheraton Hotel. And one of the things that really struck us was, I mean, it's called LinuxCon and also ContainerCon. Mm-hmm. And man, isn't that the truth? One of the main focuses of all the exhibitors and a lot of the talks is containers and Docker specifically. And our first interview was with a uh, sort of a proto example of a lot of the boosts there. A lot of the boosts could be summarized as vendors that are providing solutions to maintain containers under Linux. I'm here at the Stack Engine booth, and I love their slogan here. It's Container Operations Management Simplified. And containers seem to be a pretty complicated business. There's a lot of people here talking about containers. So how does Stack Engine solve that complicated problem? Well, from its early design, we wanted to make Stack Engine easy to use and easy to deploy. So, for example, what we provide is a management uh, control plane in which you can orchestrate your containers very easily. You can install us on one host or multiple hosts within minutes, compose your applications and launch them or schedule them, and we automatically deploy them. Sort of abstracting uh, Docker away, but making it very easy to get your Docker containers up and running. Hmm. So is Stack Engine something that runs on-premise? Is it something that runs on your, your infrastructure? How does that work? Well, we run anywhere you need us to. So a lot of people deploy us behind a firewall because they have security needs. And or they deploy us behind the firewall and in a cloud, in a hybrid environment. We run wherever we need to run and bring that all back, all of that back in one view. All right, so uh, where would people go to find out more about Stack Engine? Well, it's easy enough to just go up to stackengine.com. We've got a free one-host version for developers, and we also uh, have a free trial for an unlimited experience of Stack Engine. So Stack Engine's kind of new, but like the whole range was there. Uh, you got a chance to talk to Atlassian. I did. Well-known company. And uh, it didn't take too long for you to notice. They're kind of all talking about Docker, too. So you uh, you mentioned Docker. I noticed that this entire hallway up and down LinuxCon is is all containerization. Uh, you know, uh, Tell me a little bit about why you think that containerization is, is taking off in such a big way and why they have such a presence here at LinuxCon. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Docker's, uh, so, so containers have been around for a while. I think what Docker really made possible was, was it made the tool chain easy enough to use that, that more and more people can do it. And what I think Docker is uh, really helping support is this architectural idea of microservices. So breaking applications down into smaller pieces makes them easier to develop, makes them easier to deploy. So I think that's a lot about why people are very interested in it. And you guys, uh, you guys here are, are playing a big role in that and are really concentrating on that? So Atlassian has been part of the uh, Docker community for, for a while by uh, helping with their, like, kind of get information out about how to use Docker. Uh, we are big supporters of Docker internally. We use it for our own uh, internal infrastructure. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Bamboo now has a, a first-class Docker support as, as a, a target for continuous integration and deployment. Now, be honest with me, Noah. Did you get a little burned out on all the Docker stuff? You know, um... I, I, I guess a little bit, um, at, but at the same time, it, the, it, uh, we knew going into it that the that the conference, the theme of they the year, theme. or whatever, was was Docker was Container ContainerCon. Con. So, yeah. so we knew that that was that was going to be they were going to have a big footprint. Um, I guess in in past years it wasn't as prevalent. Like that, like that mm-hmm. was kind of like an overreaching theme, mm-hmm. and then but you still had yeah. a, a bunch of other exhibits. But I, in this particular case, like everyone was exhibiting uh, container or container management, yeah. and then on top of that, even the people that weren't. 
found ways to shoehorn their solutions into containers. That's exactly what I was going to say, is even the boost didn't start out that way. And uh, not necessarily in a bad way either, but many, 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 many of the sessions, in fact, I would say the predominant theme of the sessions at LinuxCon, so not just the vendors, was also Docker and containers. So they either would say Docker directly, or they would mm. say containers more generically. And one of the folks that's very, very, very focused on this problem is CoreOS. And CoreOS said something. The guy speaking for CoreOS and the view of the project that really struck me. Essentially, if CoreOS completes their vision, Linux doesn't really have a necessary role in the container platform. And finally, you know, we think containers, we think pretty strong, feel pretty strongly that containers are the right way to think about deploying software. Um, and we want them to be ubiquitous. So we want the standard to be as agnostic to, to platform, to OS and architecture uh, as possible. At CoreOS, we're very much focused on Linux, but we, want, we think that application containers um, can be defined in, in a sufficiently portable way um, so that there's no reason they can't be used on other operating systems. So what he's kind of saying is if we do our job right, then being CoreOS, we being CoreOS, if we do our job right, we don't really have to depend on Linux to develop, or develop containers to distribute software. And that... I don't know how that made me feel when I heard that, to be honest. What, what's yeah. your first impression? Well, so my first impression is uh, companies do not move quickly. Companies move very slow, especially <laughs> at large scale mm -hmm. and especially uh, industry. And so you have an entire uh, sect of industry that has been built up around Linux at the, at the server space. You know, we it's can true. go back and forth about the practicality uh, or the practical ramifications of using Linux on the desktop. But really, there's no argument to be made that Linux completely, wholeheartedly dominates the server market space full stop. Right. And... So I have watched companies that have difficulty moving from one version of Red Hat sure. to another version yeah. of Red Hat, even though it's the same distro on the same server running the same software. That's, but that's the very, that is the very problem that will drive the need for containers. See, that's the very problem the mm -hmm. containers solve. And once you solve that problem of delivering applications, the host operating system becomes less relevant. Because by very definition, mm -hmm. you're taking out that middle layer, which is the OS, and you're just writing on top of the kernel. And now your focus goes on deploying applications and not maintaining the whole stack. I agree. But you still have to have a core operating system, and you have to have a very, very compelling reason to change that core operating system. Otherwise, the cost just becomes too high. They have all these people that are they have all these people that are trained to install a specific core operating system. They have yeah. all these people that are trained to maintain a core operating system, and most importantly, they already have these core operating systems in place. See, all those things I think are reasons to get to minimize it. So you don't have to worry about the training. So you don't have to worry about people that know how to I use agree. it. I agree. I so. agree, and I agree. But they're still not going to change. Uh, they're still not going to get rid of that core yeah. operating system. Yeah. They'll just scale it down and put everything on. Well, uh, Greg KH, a long, long time uh, critical contributor to the Linux kernel, a uh, former uh, guest of the Linux Action Show, uh, he was asked, why does the Linux kernel still matter? And I'm curious what you have, what do you take on his answer? So this particular conference, we've also, an awful lot of the focus on things that we're talking about is containers, virtualization, uh, the, the application stacks that are running on top of the kernel. Uh, why is the kernel still so important? <laughs> or do, does everyone... It, why is it appropriate to be talking about all of these things at the same conference? Why, why? He laughs. He laughs. But mm -hmm. I, his answer here's his answer. Is the foundation important of its building? Right. Right. What do you think containers run on? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like a basement. You don't yeah. see it. Yeah. At you some point, you actually have business. to touch the hardware. Right. We're, <laughs> no, we're the plumbers. We're the plumbing. It's the low-level plumbing like the plumbers. If the foundation's weak, so is everything else on top of it. Right. Yes. A pretty solid argument. You have to run that on something. You have to support the hardware. You have to interface with the networking stack. Mm -hmm. A pretty solid argument. However, I think you could flip it on its head, and I think you could say it's also a little short-sighted. 
It's a little short-sighted that containerization makes that kernel a little less important. It could be the BSD kernel for all the container cares. And if you look at the kernel group's history of understanding Docker, I would argue that they have sometimes missed its importance. In fact, when C groups was first introduced to the Linux kernel, I think they missed its importance. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with it, C groups, which is abbreviated for control groups, is a Linux kernel feature that limits and accounts for and isolates the resource usage of CPU, memory, disk, I.O., and network from a collection of processes. So essentially, it's critical to containerization because what a container really is is it's these groups of processes are isolated from the rest of all the other processes and resources on the system. It's critical to how containerization works. It's the key technology there. And I think in this next clip, it shows the kernel team sort of failed to get it. And Linus was just inter was interview interviewed at uh, LinuxCon, and they asked him what he thought about Docker. And his response was sort of similar, was, oh, I don't care, I just think about the kernel. I just, all I worry about is I just worry about the kernel. But then how can you tell if you're being made irrelevant? And I will play this clip and let's talk more about it. Is there anything you can think of that we merged thinking it was not a big deal and then has become a big issue that we've had to go back and revisit? Uh, I don't want to point fingers. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Yeah. That, like sneak in and we don't know. Well, let's put this one, C groups. C groups came in in this odd corner. We're like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. We're all going to ignore it. And it took over the world. <laughs> and we all had to deal with it. And we all were like, la, 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 I don't care about it. And we all had to bite the bullet and take care of it. And I feel like the same things happened again with containerization. See, I disagree because I don't, I, I think that in this particular case, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a compelling reason to leave Linux. I think that there, you're right that Linux may become not as exclusive as it was. Like there's no reason mm -hmm. that you have to use Linux, mm -hmm. but I don't see a compelling reason to leave the, the uh, leave an infrastructure I, that's in place, yeah. that's doing its job well, that is well maintained, right. that is well represented, has a lot of support Man, behind it. If I was looking at the market today, I would completely agree with you. I'm looking, I'm looking seven, eight years out, and I'm thinking to myself, not for all use cases, mm -hmm. not even for majority of use cases, but I'm talking about the beginning of relevancy of a platform. And I look at it, and isn't it interesting if the platform itself were to birth the very thing that made it irrelevant? Mm -hmm. And here's why I say that. When I look at what, what you need for containerization and what containers get you, it's a couple of things. Let's start with the number one benefit of containers. Like if I'm from DigitalOcean or I'm Amazon or I'm Rackspace, mm -hmm. the number one benefit of containers is density, right? right? I can run on what I could run maybe 10 VMs on, I can run 20 containers. The other thing about containers is it, it, it sort of promotes a container per application. My Zimbra server is in this container. Yes. My Jabber server is in this container. My IRC server is in this container. <clears throat> and then they're all isolated from each other and updated independently. Well, then you have container creep, and then you have thousands of containers if you're a large in institution, yeah. and that's why we saw so many management utilities there. These management utilities abstract away the management of Linux because they put a web GUI on top of all of it. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking about, well, what do I really need to deliver these containers properly? Well, I need really good disk. I need good snapshots. I need a good file system. I need guaranteed data integrity. Yeah. I need to be able to scale it up like a mo. And I need something that works particularly well with containers so that way I can simply roll back if there's a mistake at a file system level. Right. And wouldn't it be great if I had all these advanced fun functionalities just like ZFS has? Yeah. So just like CFS. And then wouldn't it be great if I had an incredible network stack? Wouldn't it be great if I had incredible documentation? Right. Wouldn't it be great if I had one of the best disk I.O. subsystems? And wouldn't it be great if it was a very consistent user experience that has a lot less stories about exploits in the wild? I just described BSD to you. You did. However, BSD being such a smaller community and having less of a following, one of the issues I think they're going to run into very quickly is when the spotlight actually gets turned on to BSD, 
all of the holes in it are gonna uh, gonna come come out. And maybe sure. uh, maybe I'll be wrong, and maybe it will be the perfect operating system yeah, that that everyone right. that everyone stacks it up to be. But when that happens, yeah. and everyone sees the holes in BSD, yeah. then we start looking. Well, what is the more practical operating system? Well, thing, guess where all that money is, and guess where all the people that guess where the majority of the community is that can contribute right. to all these patches and fix all this stuff. If tomorrow that became the case, how many people would instantaneously be available to start working right. on ZFS for Linux? There is a, there is an incredible momentum around Linux. So that that seven eight year uh, doomsday prediction doesn't account for innovation in the Linux landscape, which there undoubtedly will be. Uh, and so I put it more out there as a question, not as a statement. Is, do we run the risk of potentially making Linux less relevant? As Linux becomes absolutely dominant in the server space, then we begin to develop a technology that makes it less relevant in the server space by the definition of the fact that you're abstracting away from the operating system as much as freaking possible mm -hmm. to deal with things like updates and dependencies and administration and et cetera, et cetera. So you have to wonder what the long-term ramifications are to the platform when you do that. At the same time, I can't imagine Linux going anywhere. So I ask, really, I ask yeah. to the audience, what do they think? And I guess my counter question would be, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing to become mm. slightly less relevant, or do the benefits of containerization and the benefits that uh, of being able to manage the security implications and the the development implications of uh, of programs? on top of user space, rather than having everything all in one cohesive project, is right. that really a bad thing? And the other thing that, uh, the other note I take away from the conference is, it's so, it's so obvious to me that there were so many vendors trying to save and solve the same problems. Yeah. Like, they're all trying to figure out how to deploy applications in containers, manage them, update them, monitor them for outages, alert people, keep track of everything and how to organize all of it in a way that's just not overwhelming. And ideally, for someone who's maybe more of a dev, could manage it and doesn't have to be in a system administrator. Mm -hmm. And that problem so many people are trying to solve, and I don't think any one of them particularly have it, and that may mean we never solve it. What may end up happening with Dockers and containers is it's just such a mess that we scale way back. You know, we don't, I know, maybe, maybe. it's hard to say that after walking away from container yeah, time. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like there's an awful lot of eyes and an awful lot, more importantly, money. A lot of money. Yeah. It's just funny how none of them have solved it. I guess it's early. Some yeah. somebody probably well, that, will. The other problem is too is and, and this is just I think it's healthy. A lot of people would would think that this is one of Linux's downfalls, but we have diversification. So you have a whole hallway of everyone saying no use my product instead of that yeah, guy's. Yeah, yeah. And you think it's, about yeah. think about as as one start mm -hmm. couple start to rise and a couple mm -hmm. fall off and then they all join in with some of the bigger competitors, then we'll start to see those rising stars come up and then everyone kind of jumps in and I think then we'll have an answer. Speaking of big competitors, you know, there was big names there. IBM was there showing the new mainframe. HP was there, and they were they were help setting the ambiance, if you will. In fact, it's not all serious at LinuxCon. There was some fun, too, and HP helped uh, create some of that atmosphere. 145, two people walk away with Slate computers. Wow, it's amazing. Amazing. HP. <laughs> HP. And then, of course, there's also things like the after parties. LinuxCon has some serious good times. Yeah. We had a really good meetup. We had uh, we went down to a place called Taps Bar and Grill. Mm -hmm. Really nice restaurant. Great ambiance. Mm -hmm. Pretty solid food. Lots of good drinks. And I think we had about... 16, 17, 18 people show up. And you know what you know what you kind of catch on is you find uh, you find common interests outside of Linux. So one of the things that we found out actually at the last uh, at the last meetup we had and then this one was a lot of us actually it seems like a lot of people have a shared interest in music. Yeah, right? I noticed that. And so the last time we were talking with this guy that knew how to that was producing all of his stuff on Linux mm -hmm. and and this mm -hmm. time uh, we ran into this guy and he has this backpack thing, a really long awkward backpack. Yeah. And I asked him I said, "What is that?" And he goes, "Well, they're bagpipes." And I said, <laughs> "Well, I, you know, I've always wanted to learn how to play bagpipes. Yeah. How yeah. would I get started with that?" So he's kind of explaining I'm like I'm not visualizing it I need to see them 
So do you, he pulls out his bagpipes. Yeah, at LinuxCon. He busts in the middle out. Of, in the middle of the show floor. Yeah, he busts out, and we're like, this is the best thing ever. And then our friend from the Fedora Project, Ruth, shows up, and she starts cutting the floor with a jig. Yeah. That was a hell of a way to end the night for LinuxCon on Tuesday. That it was, was a great cool. time. It was good to see everybody.